Uh, even if you aren't married, I'm hoping and I think you'll still gain some knowledge from this, some information that'll maybe help you in this. And we know people that are married. Even if you're not married, you're going to know people that are married. And at some point, who knows, you might even meet that special someone and find yourself engaged and going to get married. Now, I also want to emphasize that this is not going to be like a complete everything you need to know about marriage because there's just not enough time for that. This is just a snapshot of what I feel that God has placed on my heart, what he's told me to share with you or what I feel like I'm supposed to share with you. And we're going to spend most of the time in Genesis. That we're going to start at the beginning of this, this whole thing of creation. And before I, before I begin, uh, let me t tell you how I got to this point, of how I got there. Over the last several months, I've just, in my life, I've experienced way too many marriages that are having problems. Saying that maybe they're done, or at least they're headed towards that direction. And since really early October, it's been around... Probably, I'm, I'm, I counted the other day, and it's around four to six. It may even be more of just people that are actually friends with mine and are pretty close that they find themselves in this place that they never expected them to be in. Find this, themselves in this place where it's not like they were when they said their wedding vows so many years ago or even so many days ago or months ago. In this series, it's not going to be a do this and do that. Like It's not going to be just this plug and play where I'm going to have all the answers it's, it's going to be more of a series of answering that question of, like, what do you expect? What did you expect when you get married? Because God told us, actually, that it's going to be a way, like, a certain way. Like, he said this, but it, it also doesn't have to be that way. Now, while I was in Africa dealing, actually, with this uh, a marriage, again, another one of those in late October, God, as I was studying and doing some things, I was actually trying to work on a sermon series that we did a while ago, but God kept bringing me to Genesis. He kept bringing me to this, this, these passages that we're going to share in the next few weeks. They were, it really is the first marriage on the face of the earth. The first man, the first woman that were ever here on earth. And we know these people, or most of us will know these people, as Adam and Eve. So we're going to start with that. And at some point in our lives, many of us that we have, like I mentioned before, we've met that special person, that special someone. The one that we met them and we go, this is the one. That's the one. I'm going to marry this one. I'm going to marry this person. Everything is wonderful. You just make goo-goo eyes at each other all day long. You never fight. You never have a disagreement. You never have an argument. Just everything. It's, it's just like watching a cheesy Hallmark movie. <laughs> but then you find out once you're married that that's not the case. You, you quickly find out that this other person in my house now with me, they're not like me. Like, it's not the same. Like, we're not agreeing all the time. We don't make goo-goo eyes at each other all the time. And you may even ask yourself, like, who is this person? Like, that's not the same person. But who told you it was going to be easy? So why do you think this would be easy? So this is a series that we're going to maybe answer that question a little bit. Why isn't it easy? But most of us in, that are married, like we know it takes work, doesn't it? It's going to take sacrifice. It takes a whole, whole bunch of things. But in Proverbs 18.22, we see these words. It says, he who finds a wife finds what is good 
and receives favor from the Lord. So in this, we're finding what's good. We're finding favor from the Lord. That sounds like something that's pretty good. That sounds like God is saying that that this thing called marriage, that it's good. It's a good thing. But why I'm here today talking about this is because marriages are, they're under attack, and I'm just sick of it. I'm tired of it. And I want to make it clear something else, too, that I'm talking about the biblical view of marriage, a male and a female, a husband and a wife. And we are. We're going to start at the beginning. We're going to start at Genesis with the first husband and wife. And maybe we're also going to gain maybe an understanding of this whole thing of why marriage isn't easy. Yet, marriage is given to us by God. And the God's plans and the things that God gives us, they're great. So marriage is great. But marriage takes work. Those of you that are married, I'm sure you're, you could agree with me that it takes some work. Like it, it's, it's not always easy. Some days... You don't like that other person sitting across from you every morning. Relationships, so that those of you that aren't married, relationships are hard too, aren't they? For all those aren't married, I, I, we have difficulties with our friends. Like your friends go out and they don't tell you. Your friends post something on social media that's not very nice to you. Your friends get mad at you for things and you get mad at them. So there's, there's problems there and relationships take work. I think that's something we can all agree upon, is that marriage is a relationship, and relationships in general take work. But marriage is a wonderful relationship given to us by God. Okay, so let's start. Let's start by looking at our today's passage. Genesis 2, 18 through 23. It'll be on your screen, and just look at that with me. The Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a suitable, a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave animals names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. So here we have it. It's the beginning of the really the two sexes that we have on earth, the first male and the first female on the planet. I'm going to go off on a little rabbit trail here a little bit too, that... I know that maybe there's people online and maybe even someone here, here in the service today or someone down the road will watch this that maybe you don't agree on this concept of just being male and female that I'm going to talk about in the next two weeks. And I'm going to say that's okay. Like I'm going to respect you and I'm going to love you, but I'm going to ask that you respect and love, love me because I'm going to take that biblical point of view of just one. God created two sexes, a male and a female. Now, I know that concept of sex and gender now, that's a sensitive issue among some people. Like, it, it just is. It's, it, that's reality. That's the world we live in. And that is a conversation for another day. It's a conversation we may have in the future, but it's going to be respectful and it's going to be loving. Because one of our core values around here, like I've said, is to love our neighbor. 
So that's how we would discuss this. So just that's our rabbit trail for that. But let's make a, just a couple quick observations of this passage we just, just read here. The first thing I want you to notice is that Adam didn't ask for a helper. He didn't ask for a helper. Now, men, don't get all puffed up. Don't think you're all that. Don't think that that is a compliment. That you can do life on your own because you can't. I think it's more of an indictment upon us and how oblivious we are. Now, you'll be familiar with this term of a man eyes, right? Because we have, our, we have our man eyes on. And what I mean by this is why we need this helper is because, okay, we're men. We'll go around. We'll be looking for such things as, as like maybe our keys. And our keys will probably be just like right on the counter, right, like that. We'll be looking all over and all over, and we can't find it. And we start talking like we've talked in the video to our wife. And finally, we humble ourselves and ask our wives, can you help me find my keys? To which our wife just picks them up, goes like this. <laughs> Did you need me to make that look again? Same look. Uses those same words that are lifting us up, right? And making us feel like, we're completely incompetent. That's why we need a helper. Man, we need a helper, okay? And good thing that God has our back. And realize that it's not good for man to be alone. He needs a suitable helper. So you'll ask, well, what is a suitable helper? Well, a suitable helper is someone that's, that's right, that's appropriate. That God created the female because she was right and she was appropriate to be our helper. God saw that we had a need. And it wasn't just the man, like male and female, like we both need a helper. We both need a suitable helper. And what it is, is we need, have a need for relationship. Now, I, I think I said, and I'm going to pick on men a lot today because I am a man and so I can relate to that very well, but like men, we can't be trusted alone. And maybe that's what God really meant when he said we needed a helper. But it's, it's not just men, but all of us are created. Every single one of us were created to not be alone. We're created to be in a relationship with each other. And God said it, it's, it's, it's just not good for us to be alone. Now, I, I want to also make a little side note here of saying that I really think that this shows that God's a male. And don't get mad at me. Listen to my reasoning, because you'll agree with this. Because... <laughs> If you read in these next verses, we see God bringing all the animals to Adam to name. Now, who would think that that's a really good idea to trust a male to name all the animals except for another male? I, exactly. I don't need to go on that any further. <laughs> now, the other thing is, is why would anybody but a male think by bringing all the animals in front of Adam, that Adam would be able to find a suitable helper out of all the animals. Again, only a male would think that way. <laughs> but what do we see? No suitable helper was found. It's like, duh, no wonder. Now, some of us will say, well, what about a dog? A dog is man's best friend. Well, yeah. But can a dog wash your clothes for you? Can a dog go get you underwear when you're getting out of the shower because you forgot to grab your underwear? Can a dog clean up after us? Now, a dog 
might give us some companionship. It might play fetch with us. It might chew our shoes. There's a few other things that a dog can do, but is it a suitable helper? It is a suitable helper for man that God intended it to be, that God wanted for us. Now, someone might argue and say, well, God and Adam, they like were in the garden together and they had conversations and they walked with each other and they were, why can't God be Adam's helper? The, the word in this is a suitable helper. Now, I hope you realize that God really is superior to man, superior to Adam. Now, Adam's created in God's image. He has characteristics of God, but he isn't God. Because I don't think Adam can go and say and do things like, say, create a universe, create all the animals in it, create himself in it. I don't, I don't see that. So Adam's not capable of being God because he's not God because there's only one God. So that really makes God a superior helper for Adam, not a suitable helper for Adam. For Adam. Now we mentioned animals. So why can't an animal, like a dog or maybe a goldfish, be Adam's helper? Now what's a goldfish going to do? Sit in the water and go... <laughs> like, how's that helping? A dog can help some, but... but a dog and a goldfish, they're like, they're inferior helpers to Adam. They're not capable of doing all that Adam can do. And so God recognizes this. He says, Adam, you have someone like yourself. Someone that you can talk to. Someone that you can share life with. That you can have a relationship with. Now, maybe another question you'll ask is, well, why didn't God just create another male? Several reasons. In chapter 1 of Genesis, God says, go fruit, be fruitful and multiply. We're not going to have a birds and the bees conversation in here, <laughs> but obviously you can see there's a problem with that if you have two males. Like, that's not going to happen. And the other thing, like, I pick on males again. Like, can you imagine having two males around? Like, things might get fixed. We might be able to build things. But it'd be a mess. Now, I know I'm stereotyping males a lot. I know that some of us are very clean, we're very organized, and, and that's great. But what I'm getting at is we've heard this phrase, better together, that we're better together. God was looking around his creation and said, you know what, this is good, but something's missing. What's missing here? Something's still lacking. This creation that I made in my image, there needs to be a relationship with someone like them Someone that can help each other, pick each other up when they're down, that can care for each other, and like I said, just be better together. Now, Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12, we see these words. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. God, was, God saw we needed a helper to complement each other. That the two together would be complete. We'll talk about more on that later. This suitable helper that Adam needed, that was equal to Adam. So there's an equal helper. If someone is equal, we see that person is the same. 
that the same as one another. They have the same status. They have the same quality. And this concept, we could actually spend a lot of time on this, of equal or things equal. Like throughout history, this concept of, of, of human beings throughout history, of, of man and woman of being equal, I don't think we've done a very good job of that. In fact, what, we, what I, just a little bit of research just really quick is, it was the age of enlightenment, and that was around 1650, that it was even thought that women had the same competence as men, that they were just an inferior being. And then the 1800s, we see women entering the workforce. 1844, there was the Women's First Labor Union. And it wasn't until the 19th Amendment in 1919 that women even had the right to vote. And it wasn't enacted until like later in the 1920s. And I'm not bringing this up to talk about women's rights. That's not my point here. I want to mention this because God's original plan was to create a suitable helper for Adam, one that was equal to him and complemented him. Now, before I go on with this discussion, I need to bring up the next point, and that is that it's equal but different. We need to consider both of these concepts together when we're talking about this subject of male and female, especially in this context of marriage. So I can't say it enough. We needed a suitable helper, not someone that was the same, not someone that was alike, but someone that was equal, but they're different. Now, Kim doesn't like it when I use her for an example, so I'm not really using her example, but she is my wife. So I'm going to tell you right now that you don't want two of me being married. You don't want two of the same of me. Because I'm not a suitable helper for myself. I'm not. I need someone in my life to balance me out. And that's what my suitable helper does. Different, but equal. To tell me sometimes that that's not a good idea. And I'm going to bet that Kim will say that too. That she needs that in her life too. That both, if us were the same, I don't actually know if, at some points in our life, we would have a conversation longer than 10 words. I know I wouldn't be up here today if it wasn't for my wife. Because I needed Kim at times to encourage me. I needed her to tell me times to say no to me on some things that I wanted to do. Say, no, that's not a good idea. That's not the right time right now. I needed this suitable helper. One that we're both different. We have different strengths. We have different weaknesses. But yet we're both equal. One isn't better than the other. We're suitable helpers for each other, both needing each other. Now, I read this commentary, and I really liked how this put this kind of together. So it'll be on your screen. It's concept of equal but different. The Hebrew word for suitable suggests something that completes a polarity. As the North Pole is suitable for the, to the South Pole, one without the other is incomplete. Opposite ends, totally opposite, totally different, different things, both at the ends of the earth, but both needing each other. We can't have one without the other. And God created man, he created woman, male and female to complete one another. Now I'm going to show you this video that I want you to take a look at. And some of you will recognize this, 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 this clip. You've seen this movie before. And, and just, just let's watch this video.
So there's lots of things in that movie. We could spend a whole series just talking on that little clip. Lots of things in that movie. But at the end, you hear words like this out of coming. This is Jerry Maguire is that movie. You hear that saying, I'm not letting you get rid of me. Company had a big night tonight, but it wasn't complete because I couldn't share it with you. I miss my wife. You complete me. 
What if that was our vocabulary with our spouse in our relationships? That we say as God created us, male and female, that we're in marriage, that we complete one another. Again, we're not the same. We're different, but we're equal. That we need each other. That I mentioned before, as Tom Cruise says in that movie, that we had a big night tonight. But it wasn't even close to complete because I couldn't share it with you. Because God created us, created marriage to share our lives with each other. Those bad times, those good times, because we're better together. And what if we viewed our spouse as this suitable helper that was created by God just for me? Now, I'm not saying that everything's going to be puppy dogs and rainbows. Like, there's going to be disagreements, there's arguments. We're going to have differences because we are different. And we have different points of view because God didn't create us all the same. However, the next time you're having one of those, what if we looked at this person as they're actually completing us? That they're this suitable helper that God created for me. Now, I I showed you that video mostly for that line of, of you complete me. But also, did you catch that other line? I think some of you did because I heard little rumblings. That line where the actress says to all those women, says, maybe you're all right. Maybe you're right. Men are the enemy, but I love the enemy. So at those times, maybe we see our wife as our enemy or our our husband as an enemy. But I'm going to tell you, God didn't create them to be your enemy. God created your spouse to be your helper. Different, but equal. Each of you bringing different ideas, different experiences, different everythings to complement each other and to make you complete. Now, over the next few weeks, we're going to explore a lot of these different aspects of God's creation, of male and female, God's intents and results for our sin, and, and how they affected our relationship with each other due to our sin. Now, if you had your hopes up that I'm going to give you some sort of special information that's going to cure it all, I'm not. I, I, I'm not. I'm just not. But what I hope is that the words that God has given me will just start to begin to understand each other. We'll understand our spouses better. And understand we're not alone in these relationships when you have struggles like everybody else is going through this too. When we have those times of struggle. Now the title I chose, Why Do You Think This Should Be Easy? It's for a reason. Because relationships in general, they're not easy. They're not easy all the time. Now, one thing that I try to say to Kim is, is, she'll say it to me, is that when we start talking like the first video, like, I'm not your enemy. And that's true. Kim isn't my enemy. Your spouse is not your enemy. In fact, we know the words in Matthew 5.44 to love your enemies. So even if you want to think your wife is your enemy or your husband is your enemy, if you're going to follow Matthew 5, tough. Like even if you see her as your enemy, well, you're going to have to love her even more. So love your spouse. Perhaps your marriage is one that it's great. Everything is wonderful. Like you've got this figured out and, and your, your spouse is your suitable helper. Fantastic. Keep up the good work. Be, help the rest of us. 
be examples for us. Now, sometimes if some of you are, like, you guys are enemies, or it feels like enemies. You just don't like that person very much at that moment. What if we turn that around a little bit and we try to view our spouses, God intended it to be, as our helper, as somebody that God created us solely for me, especially for me, and that we need this helper. Like, I need your point of view, someone that completes me, that we're equal but different, but equally important to each other. I'm going to say be a student of your spouse. Understand what their strengths and weaknesses are. Understand how those can complement you and make you better. How you can help one another. Not how you can use those differences to make it seem like you're criticizing each other or complaining and using those things to destroy each other. Maybe embrace those differences. Use those differences to show how together you can use them to be better individually and better as a husband and wife. Now, I mentioned a few weeks ago the Enneagram test that I took. And it, it helped me a lot. Like, it showed me a lot of things. I became a student of my wife and I understand that, yeah, those are the reasons why we have those differences. And I can say now that, like, I can see where it completes me, how we're suitable helpers for each other and how I can use her strengths and her character traits to help me because those actually are my weaknesses and those are the areas that if the two together, we become stronger and it's actually vice versa. It's the same for her. She can get the same from me. So why do you think this should be easy? That's a question we're going to come back to in this series because we're two different people. We're two different minds, yet both of us are created in God's image, created for each other to be in relationship with each other because no other su suitable helper could be found. God created our suitable helper for us. That's what God intended. Now we're going to see later in this series how really we messed that all up and answer that question of why do you think this would be easy? Let's pray. Lord, I just give you every marriage in this room, Lord. I just pray for, for all the marriages, Lord. I pray for those of us that aren't married, Lord, that you are just preparing the spouse for us out there, Lord, and just help us, Lord, to see each other as our suitable helpers. 